sitting quietly, wherever you may be, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, then for the love of God, and all is holy, do not close your eyes. Become aware of the space around you, the temperature of the air, the weight of your clothing on your body, the sounds that may be around you. Accept them as they are, as all is as it should be. Now take a deep breath, fill your lungs to their capacity, and hold it for a moment before you slowly exhale. Do this ten times as I slowly count backwards from ten. Each time, feeling your muscles relax and a warm, tingling sensation encompass you as you enter a state of profound peace. Breathe with me now. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Now snap out of it, because it's time for a Fool's Guide to the Occult. I'm a maple leaf, calmly drifting down a babbling brook headed out to sea. And I'm definitely not getting stranger every day here as we're forced to self-isolate due to the corona pandemic. I am, however, Lexa. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We're glad that you guys are here. Absolutely. And today we're going to be talking about things you can do to chillax, my friends. Sorry, we're talking about everything from guided meditation to self-hypnosis, conscious relaxation, and a whole lot more. But first, we have to talk about some journaling since our last episode on chaos magic. Indeed. All right. So what do you got for us today? So... Uh, chaos magic, kind of my bread and butter when it comes to doing magical things in general. I think of the whole thing as a series of psychological tricks that help me hack my UX, my cultural operating system, and maybe even to some degree, uh, capital T truth or reality, if there's such a thing. But I'm supposed to give you a proper journal entry. So here we go. Date and time, Tuesday, March 24th. 2020, about 6.30-ish p.m. Location, my little studio space. Weather conditions, overcast, slight periodic drizzle. Physical feelings, kind of stressed out because I'm trying to jam a whole bunch of stuff into this amount of time I have, and I really need to kind of slow down and take everything day by day. Um, emotional state, excited despite being stressed. I... Um, it's pretty stoked at the time about several new things that I'm kind of working on and stuff that's coming up. The ritual and activities performed was a sigil firing. And the performance itself um, cleared and banished space, grounded and centered, uh, pushed out my um, energy to encompass about a four-foot sphere around myself, drawing in universal energy to provide... Uh, a little additional power to an already charged sigil. Turned on a predetermined song, which just happened to be Loud Pipes by Ratatat, to sync my mind with another practitioner. Fired off the sigil and crumpled the piece of paper it was on while visualizing all the energy flying out um, east across the United States to meet with the energy from the other practitioner in over the Midwest somewhere. Um, and as far as results, well, 
that remains to be seen, I suppose. Yep. That's probably not to even think about it, right? Um, <laughs> but that is a proper journal entry. Absolutely. Um, you guys will notice that Hector has all the pertinent info noted down there. So a lot of what I have is the same, since it's from the same operation, but I don't want to waste time repeating. Uh, the time of day is different since we live in different places, but um, I also have some pretty detailed notes about like how I charge the sigil. Um, kind of looking through it here, I think you guys will probably find as you continue to journal that you're notes will kind of become more and more like self-referential, <laughs> which can make it sound kind of like acronyms and symbols and like crazy talking nonsense to people who aren't you <laughs> or people who aren't like working closely with you. But it, like, it's, it's all valuable information to the person who can read it. Um, and you could translate it, obviously, if you needed to. But so but when you're taking notes like about a ritual or other working, so the aim is to make it like clear enough so that somebody else could perform it. I know this is sort of like a chaos magic perspective too. I'm, I'm guessing there's like a lot of ideas about the correct way to journal. So you know what? You should just do you. Do your journal the way you want. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you can read everybody from uh, SRW, Richard Webster will tell you a different way to do it versus like Donald Michael Krieg or Craig or however you pronounce his <laughs> name to, you know, Phil Hine and, and Peter J. Carroll and everybody will tell you slightly different things and really just be as detailed as you can be. And that's like the best way to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like the whole, the whole point is to capture the information that you need. I don't think the format is that important. So just, you know, do what works for you. Yeah. All right. But hey, excessive journaling is stressful and we're here today to chillax. So there are a lot of non-occult related things that you can do. And if you are just feeling a lot of stress or anxiety in your life, I generally would highly recommend reducing your intake of stimulants, most commonly caffeine, and then get on a regular eating and sleeping schedule as well as regular exercise. Those things, if you do that, actually have shown to reduce a huge amount of stress in people and anxiety. On the exercise end of things, the American Heart Association recommends 150 minutes. That's about two and a half hours of moderate exercise to 75 minutes, about an hour 15 of vigorous exercise per week. I try personally to get anywhere from 160 to 240, um, which is, you know, working out about four times a week on top of a lot of the other random exercise stuff I get, you know, doing martial arts and sword fighting and stuff. Again, exercise proven to reduce stress, also boost your immune system. So I can't really recommend that enough at this point in time. Also making sure you get the right balance of vitamins, minerals is pretty essential. I know that can be a little bit hard for some of us right now, given certain food supplies are scarce in certain parts of our country, planet. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's important factor to consider and, and do the best you can with that. And like all of that goes like you need a healthy mind to effectively perform your magic work right and a healthy mind comes with a healthy body so you know just try and take care of yourself yeah definitely i mean it's all connected right every everything so yeah yeah absolutely yeah so, so there's sometimes not much we can like do when things kind of spiral out of control the reason that an occult practice can be so helpful is that it gives us the opportunity to choose how to deal with it when it does happen. 
If we can maintain enough self-awareness, we can recognize how and when to apply the techniques we've mastered as part of the practice. As a side note, you make a good point, Hector, about the physical activity thing. Um, it can be pretty easy to like get really in your head with a lot of this stuff. And I think that exercise is a really good way to kind of help you stay grounded. Oh, that's a really good point. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, it's important, I think. But um, yeah, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is free and it doesn't take any special experience or equipment or anything. You just have to have the will to do it. And these techniques don't have to be specifically occult in nature in order to incorporate them into your practice. The first ones we're going to be talking about are actually tried and true science, and you can read about them on the Mayo Clinic's website, should you be so inclined. And we're going to get into some cool brainwave stuff later on as well, so that's going to be fun. But before we get into that, I know we touched on it a little bit, but let's just go through why, what are the benefits that we want to gain out of this besides just, you know, being chill. Yeah, sure. So uh, slowing your heart rate, lower blood pressure, slowing your breathing rate, uh, improved digestion, maintaining normal blood sugar levels, reducing activity of stress hormones, which have a negative impact in your brain long term. It actually changes the structure of your brain if you're constantly in like a fight or flight mm -hmm. sort of brain set and it you know, like permanently alters the structure of your brain. It's kind of crazy. Increased blood flow to major muscles, reduced muscle tension, chronic pain, improved concentration and mood, which is really going to help you on the occult side of things. Improving sleep quality, again, that's a really good one, a really important one, especially if you're trying to do dream work, astral work, uh, that kind of stuff, lucid dreaming. Uh, lower fatigue, reducing anger and frustration, and boosting your confidence in handling problems. All good things that we want. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that pretty much covers most of it. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure the list isn't completely exhaustive, but I think we hit all the big ones. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So to get the most benefit out of whatever technique you choose, it's also recommended that you pair it with another positive coping strategy like exercise or physical self-care or positive thinking, creative endeavors. Do you have a favorite positive coping strategy? I mean, personally, I like uh, Zazen meditation, as I think most people are pretty well aware of at this point. Video games. Friends are good when I'm allowed to see them. <laughs> uh -huh. You know, sometimes you just need to, to vent some stuff about, um, you know, something that's irking you. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, I've got the, we all have the benefit of some kind of other alternative communication method when we can't see people in person. Mm -hmm. What else? Dark chocolate, sex with a partner or solo, uh, comfort foods like pizza, street tacos. Mm. <laughs> yeah, some combination of all those things. <laughs> Yeah, just mix them all together in a bowl and I'm there. spread them out on my bedroom floor. <laughs> Hail Satan. Anyway, um, maybe like a really strong IPA. I don't know if you'd count this as a positive coping strategy, um, but it is uh, something that you can do to relax. I sure enjoy it at a time. Yeah, it's a quick fix. Just yeah. don't, you know, turn yourself into an alcoholic. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not uh, not something that you should probably rely on, right? No. And having a bunch of hobbies is good, right? Like you know, the creative outlet is huge for me. I've got a lot of uh, different things that I like to make. So that's, that's oh, a big yeah. one for me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
Totally. And like drawing is like uh, a stress reducer as well. Yeah, it really is. Okay, so great. Talk about these first couple types of relaxation techniques. So the first one we're going to talk about is autogenic relaxation. So autogenic means something that is created within you. Um, In this technique, you coordinate your thoughts and your breaths in a series of repeating statements. And these statements describe a specific sensation in a specific part of the body. So for instance, like during an exercise, you might repeat one part of a phrase in your head as you inhale and the next part of the phrase as you exhale. Like on the inhale, you would think my right leg is getting and then on the exhale, you would think heavier and heavier. So I recently began training in this technique, and so far I'm a fan. Um, it's <laughs> a side note, though. Just I should probably just say this in case anybody is wondering. Or uh, it good to know, interesting to know, I should say, just for the sake of thoroughness. Uh, so the guy that invented this technique was a German man who did live during World War II and did become a Nazi. So obviously, like a lot of his other work was pretty uncool. So I'm definitely not saying that this diminishes the effectiveness of this technique. It's just of note. So there you have it. <laughs> you want to rescue right, me from fair this? Enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So some other stuff we can do is like progressive muscle relaxation. Progressive muscle relaxation. Uh, in this technique, you just kind of focus on tensing and then relaxing different muscle groups. One way to do this is to start with your toes tensing the muscles there for about five seconds and then relaxing them for 30. Uh, And then this is repeated along, you know, moving progressively up through the next muscle groups until you reach, I guess, like your, your neck or your face. Right. And this can become, I'm sorry, this can help you become more cognizant of which muscles are tensed and increase your awareness of sort of physical sensations in general. All right. And so this next one, You've probably heard of it. You've probably done it, but we're going to talk about it again because it's obviously super important. So visualization, using your imagination to envision yourself in a calming situation can be a great way to relax. And it has the added benefit of improving the skills that you're already working on for your cult practice. So try to imagine sensations that incorporate as many senses as you are able to build into the scene that you are envisioning in your mind. That's pretty much the short. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're trying to to create a unified experience, yeah, right? Yeah, like a or whatever like you want to call it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, here, let's briefly run over some just like other relaxation techniques, and then we'll I don't know, take an interlude and then talk about something like real in depth. Sound yeah, good to you? Let's do it. All right, so some other stuff you could do: deep breathing. In general, like taking deep breaths is really good for you. That's why we tell like kids when they get really angry, take a few breaths, step back, mm-hmm. right? So like deep breathing helps kind of relax and reset the brain, like get the amygdala out of that flight or fight situation it's in so you can start thinking logically again. Massage is really great. There's some really good books out there. You can learn massage from both like how to do it on yourself or how to do it with a partner. I'd also really recommend trigger point therapy, which isn't really massage, but it's like you say you have a tense muscle, you find the place where it connects to the bones or like the halfway point between the muscle and you apply pressure to relieve tension along the rest of the muscle. Hmm. It's kind of cool. cool. 
meditation again like zazen's my favorite but there's so many other things out there you could try you could try some guided meditations there's it's there's countless variety in that yeah. department so i feel like meditation it's kind of like exercise right like there's not like the best one like the best one to do is the one that you'll do <laughs> so <laughs> yeah find what works for you you know i might be biased in that department but okay we'll save that for <laughs> well i'd love to hash it out i'll, de- I'll debate other meditators at some other point <laughs> okay <laughs> tai chi tai chi is really good especially for like balance and um kind of helps you sync up your breathing your body movement and engage some of those key power exercises we talked about in some earlier episodes tai chi depending on the style is sort of slow motion martial arts too which i think is an added bonus kind of cements in muscle movements through repetitive routines mm-hmm. uh yoga if you aren't experienced in yoga, like go to a studio. Otherwise, you know, there's some great books out there. Yoga Anatomy is really good. And there's a couple other ones that'll teach you like not only how to do the asanas, but like specifically what muscles they're either relaxing or tensing because you can definitely build muscle doing yoga too. It's not all about stretching. Oh, yeah. No, um, you, have you <laughs> have you seen those videos of those dudes that do yoga? Because I have and they are ripped. Yeah, dude. No, <laughs> They're jacked, totally. (laughs) Um, Also, there's the whole spiritual end of yoga. Like yoga is comes from the the Hindu Vedas, Mm -hmm. right? The Yoga Veda, and it's you know a lot has a lot to do with either being a form of meditation itself or preparing the body to sit in meditation for a long time. So there's there's definitely a spiritual end to that. But you know, if you're gonna go out and just like go to a yoga studio and you don't know a whole lot about yoga, I mean ask your friends first or like go do some Googling because you probably don't want to go to like a Bikram yoga place. That's like the super hot yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did that shit for years. <laughs> uh, you're a crazy person. You cr- CrossFit too, huh? No, I don't do CrossFit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I might, be, I might be crazy, but I'm not that crazy. <laughs> no offense to any CrossFitters out there. Let, let us know how. No, how no, no, no. You do. You yeah. do. What else we got? All right. So biofeedback. So this is actually pretty cool. So this this therapy is a treatment like in which patients learn how to control things which are normally involuntary. So we're talking about stuff like blood pressure, heart rate, muscle tension. Um, so the patient is hooked up so, to some like monitoring device. There's a few different styles so that a doctor might help them zero in on like the exact technique that's the most effective to cause the change in what they're trying to control. So there's a there's a bunch of different uh tech you know specific techniques measuring like different things like thermal electro neuro I won't go into that because it's kind of boring <laughs> but basically the point is that you know you can really use this biofeedback to to figure out exactly what technique works for that particular person in a very specific way so that they can control something without needing drugs or whatever other therapies they might have needed. Nice, very interesting. We also have equine therapy, which is, you know, horseback riding. I uh, actually helped out on an equine therapy ranch on Oahu in Hawaii uh, when I uh, lived there, when I first met my spouse. Ranch there primarily worked with children with disabilities, but equine therapy has been successfully used like all the way up to like people with extreme PTSD, like war veterans and stuff like that. I know when I get on a horse personally, it's very like kind of spiritual 
experience. It's very freeing. So yeah, for those reasons, I would highly recommend it. Kind of depends on your needs though. Like if you have some like really high needs, you should probably go to a specific like equine therapy ranch. If you just want to chill and ride a horse and relax, like there's all kinds of like walking tours or like whatever horseback tours you can go on. Or in my opinion, like the best way would be if you just happen to know somebody that owns a horse or a horse ranch or something is going to let you just get on and ride around. That'd be great. The importance of having cool friends, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I don't have any horse friends right now. <laughs> but so like if your goal though is to relax, I will caution you against English writing. I took some Eng English writing lessons and it is the opposite of relaxation. <laughs> so is that's there, my yeah, I mean is there anything that's like English style that means it's not super proper <laughs> um, I can't think of any off the top of my head punk rock English punk rock <laughs> okay <laughs> there you have it I don't know. I have no idea <laughs> but yeah no, I, that sounds really amazing like I think just being around animals can be a huge therapy like I don't know just petting your cat or dog or whatever can be huge or I mean when all this goes crazy stuff is over go to a petting zoo or whatever you know whatever <laughs> whatever you need to do to get get some some animal love in your life god you should cut that totally, out that totally. sounded terrible <laughs> no i'm not no i'm leaving that in there <laughs> i'll cut it out if you really want <laughs> do as you will <laughs> all right all right um you know, music and art therapy too um there's this thing binaural beats do you do you, we're talking about that later on? Yes, I, Should I yeah, we we are talking now? about that shit later. Sorry. All I, right, we'll we'll come back okay. to that. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh other one would be like aromatherapy, which I often overlook. I should bring that into my life a little bit more. Yeah, dude, get out those essential oils. I one of my hobbies is making uh candles. I like to Oh, cool. Use different scents for different things as you do yeah totally so then we have like hydrotherapy is that like swimming or something yeah it looks like it's just a fancy word for like soaking in a tub which could totally help oh if that's the deal i'm all about that hot springs for the win i went to one in alaska a few years ago it was really cool you to be like you know surrounded by snow and ice and be all cozy and warm in this like natural flowing water i felt like one of those monkeys that you see like kicking it in hot springs with like all like a blizzard going on around them they're just like yeah <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> no dude that's one of the things i miss most about living in colorado there's like all these amazing like little secret hot springs all tucked away that you can find if you know where to look right on all right so this next one always seems to like freak people out a little bit whenever i suggest it but i found it to be a personally a huge help for me based on my own experimentation it improves focus relaxation general sanity because this shit is definitely driving us insane um and i'm talking about a tech cleanse right so so much of the technology that we interact with especially stuff like apps on the phone have been intentionally designed to manipulate us and to be addictive so Many of the social media platforms are free to use because you're not actually the customer, you're the product that's being sold to companies who would like to have your money, which in this society translates into having your effort and your time and your power. Right. And they do that through like advertising per views, yeah, right? It's, Something like that. If you really start looking into it, it's very scary what's going on. 
we're not talking about that today. We're yeah. supposed to be relaxing here. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think I th- I think we need to also make like a politics podcast because we swing in that direction a lot. That can be our side project. I love it. <laughs> All right, moving forward. So yeah, but anyway, I'm just gonna say one more thing. <laughs> so these guys, they want to know you better than you know yourself. They want to be able to predict what you're gonna do before you even think about it. Does that seem like a good thing? I don't know. Ask yourself. Um, yeah, I didn't, that seems like yeah, stalkerish, right? right? So, that doesn't sound healthy. And I'm, look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't like use it, right? We love our amazing online communities. Make sure to check us out on Facebook. <laughs> just be aware. That's all. Just you know, be cognizant of what you're what you're interacting with. And you know what? Why not give yourself a break every once in a while? Like it can really be that simple. Like just put the phone away for like even just like a couple hours. Like, you'll be so surprised at how free you feel. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> no. <doubt. laughs> All of the skills that we're talking about today take practice to master. It's going to take a little while, right, to, to learn something new. Uh, and make sure not to let, like, learning the technique also be stressful by being hard on yourself. Like, just be chill, you know? Be, be cool to yourself. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, as the Mayo Clinic uh, points out, you should bear in mind that some people, especially those with serious psychological issues and a history of abuse, may experience feelings of emotional discomfort during some relaxation techniques. Although this is rare, if you experience emotional discomfort during relaxation techniques, stop what you're doing and consider talking to your doctor or mental health provider. If one relaxation technique doesn't work for you, try another technique. If none of your efforts at stress reduction seem to work, talk to your doctor about other options. Okay, Mayo Clinic, that seems like good advice. Thank you. Is is Mayo Clinic... A clinic made of mayo? Hope not, because what are the implications of that? No, they're gross <laughs> and sticky. I think this is a good time for an interlude, don't you? <laughs> I think you're right. Okay, so today we chose the card Temperance, which is number 14. Five for your numerology fans out there. Fives are about change, innovation, fluctuation, uh, which can be better or, or worse. Okay, so here's what my interpretation is of this guy here. Okay, so this card is a reminder to seek balance. The name temperance says a lot like in and of itself. It comes from the Latin temperantia, which I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing right because it is a dead language and there is not necessarily a correct pronunciation. Just to point out. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, it means moderation, sobriety, discretion, self-control. So yeah, I mean, but as a verb, right? Like to temper. Uh, in this case, it refers to like adding something during the manufacturing process to modify the properties of what's being made. So for instance, like, tempered alloys, mixtures of metals are more durable um, when they're, temp- they're combined with each other. So we get the feel that this card is about getting stronger through balance and self-control, but also through applying like a very specific type of mixture of things to create something that is better than it was before. It's a very, like, kind of alchemical idea here. So the card shows up um, in the, kind of the story, like, after the hero has faced death um, and then is prepared to face the devil. So as we look at the picture in the Rider Waite Coleman Smith deck, we see, like, a winged figure holding two cups, pouring water from one to the other. So let's start there. 
Um, I'm sure you guys might already know that the suit of cups is like all about the inner world of emotion and desire, the will, if you will. In older decks, the cups are different colors, indicating that the two like things are like opposite essences that are being combined to produce life. So yeah, this is definitely like a super alchemy idea. The figure is standing, it looks like an angel basically, it's standing at the edge of a stream, indicating like a crossing or a liminal space. Um, so like it sort of indicates that like there's like a choice here. And then we can see like over this behind the figure, we can see that the path, like the, the you know, the, the path we're on, it, it's leading to the mountain. Um, and above the mountain is this like golden crown rising up like the sun. So that path, like it, the path leads to self-mastery, it leads to illumination. Um, but if we're going to continue on the journey, we have to learn how to figure our shit out, right? Balance it out, temper it out, combine what you need to combine to be what you need to be. So, but in order to do this, we have to allow ourselves to be led by our own inner guide. Like we have to be honest with ourselves and recognizing and tempering those qualities which impede us on our journey. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of, do you ever flip through that book, Be Here Now by Ram Dass? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That's like one of my favorite books. Yeah, super cool. Also, like his story and his background and how he relates to Tim Leary and stuff is really interesting. But we'll we'll get to that at some other point in time. But there's a page in there where he's talking about the guru and, you know, how to find the true guru and all that. And then like the bottom is just like a person looking in the mirror. Yeah, no, it reminds me of um, in the Illuminatus trilogy. It's like, who knows better than the Buddha and Jesus? And it's like this question that you're always being asked. (laughs) Guess what the answer is? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Esoteric techniques and interpretations. Today we're gonna talk about self hypnosis uh, for a little bit. I think self self hypnosis is really useful because you can sort of take the techniques and once you kind of understand them in a real basic kind of way. 30, 40 years ago kind of way that hypnosis was used. Uh, you can you can rewrite those and rewrite the scripts and apply it to other kinds of magical occult work you're trying to do. So I, I, I think they're, they're useful in a few different ways. So personally, I often don't see a big difference between like psychology and the occult. I think in a lot of ways they're really entwined or in some ways even the same thing. I very nearly pursued a degree in psychology. Hypnosis is a thing I didn't really get interested in until towards the end of my bachelor's degree um, while I was studying about shamanism and trance and other altered states of mind. I actually still have the very first book on this stuff that I ever read, which is uh, Hypnosis for Beginners by William W. Hewitt. Now, kind of want to note that it is my personal opinion that a lot of this guy's other books are probably like 90% rubbish, 99% rubbish. It, again, in my <laughs> <Just> opinion. <rubbish. laughs> However, he was a certified uh, clinical hypnotherapist, was practicing this that stuff. So, you know, that goes for something. And while this book that I just mentioned isn't perfect, there are a lot of things in there that I think you know, still apply, still work. And he also uh, explains them in a really approachable way. So there's kind of like a that caveat there. But this, you know, this book is in some ways useful. So I'd like to start out kind of by quoting his description of hypnosis. 
And he says, Hypnosis is a technique that enables you to achieve this altered state of consciousness, the daydream state, deliberately, and uh, direct your attention towards specific goals. So through this definition, we can see uh, hypnosis is another method of trance or achieving some state sort of close to gnosis, which one can learn to initiate themselves or have brought on them by a professional in the art. And, you know, we're not going to be talking about someone, you know, waving a pocket watch in your face and telling you to feel very sleepy. But before we get into a method of self-hypnosis, you can use to either relax or enter gnosis or step into your astral temple or begin altering aspects of your operating system, we should take a little time to talk about theory and how all this works. Yes, absolutely. We should definitely do that. Um, also, as a side note, I'm excited to see how self-hypnosis and pathworking differ and how they're related. Yeah, we're going to do an episode on pathworking coming up. Um like soon ish, yeah. right? Like a, a few episodes from now. <laughs> and so we'll see some like, we have been. Yeah. So you'll see some overlap there and then you'll see some divergence as well. So I think that that will be interesting. So first we need to talk a little bit about neural oscillations or what most of you might know as brainwaves. And I'll just kind of run through them all. So first there's delta waves. Quite a deal has been learned about delta waves in the past few decades, but most of it isn't really useful for our purposes. Um, I will say that delta waves oscillate at around 0.5 to 4 hertz, and it's typically associated with the state of like complete unconsciousness. Also, a strange thing, apparently females among mammalia exhibit more delta wave activity than biological males do. Don't know why, but it's a thing. That is really interesting. Yeah. Next is theta waves, and these oscillate at a frequency of 6 to 10 hertz. These waves are interesting because they show up when awake and actively engaged at higher rates of their oscillation, so like, you know, more on the, the higher end there, as well as when we are in states more akin to deep meditation, drowsiness, or hypnotic states, but in this time they operate at their lower oscillations that said they don't show up in our deepest sleep states it seems that studies done brain activity in the hippocampus show theta waves arise during various short-term memory recall activities it also has shown an association with the uh, integration of sensory information with uh, some kind of activity thus suggesting a link between like theta waves and visual spatial learning, uh, as well as tasks like navigation. Alpha waves are next, not to be confused with alpha particles. Uh, they have a frequency between 8 and 12 hertz. There's a form of biofeedback therapy, which we discussed a little bit about earlier, associated with alpha waves that's shown some success in controlling seizures and depression. Some researchers have suggested there may be two types of alpha waves because they seem to occur in two very different states of mind. The first being that very relaxed but also awake state, while the other is found um, deep in REM sleep. There have been some interesting studies regarding alpha wave activity and mistake making. So I can briefly sum that up. It seems like so like when people get like bored or um, distracted, they tend to like spike in alpha waves 
and then they have like a higher likelihood of making you know have some kind of accident or making a mistake at that point in time so there's like people are working on these applications that like monitor this brainwave activity to like try and create a device that will alert workers in like high risk job situations i guess like i don't know if you would have this attached to you and it would shock you or something like that or i don't i don't know what but basically to try and like reduce big accidents in like i don't know people who work around high risk machinery or something oh, that's really interesting also a little bit dystopian in yeah. a way but also really interesting i know right it's kind of but that's the world we're headed towards you know i mean we all say we're scared of it and yet you know we still buy from amazon and give our souls to google you guys so. can listen to more about this on our political podcast that we're inventing now <laughs> yeah that we're not turning this podcast into moving forward uh still on alpha waves uh, according to hewitt alpha waves this is the state where daydreaming and meditation and hypnosis take place so this is kind of the wavelength we'll be discussing most in this episode it also of note that alpha waves primarily occur near the visual cortex which is in the back of the head it's where your brain processes all of that uh, visual information and imagined information and you know visual memory recall and and stuff like that all that's processed back there in the back of the head yeah good stuff good stuff definitely looking forward to hearing more about that stuff later yeah all right we got a couple more waves to talk about actually i think four so more waves, waves to talk about uh, a couple <laughs> of them really short though. there's so many waves making waves brain waves um moo waves are found primarily in the motor cortex which is kind of that band of brain that runs i guess generally between your ears and these moo waves operate between 7.5 and 12.5 hertz but primarily in the 9 to 11 hertz range now, these occur in the largest numbers when the body's resting but the mind is awake there seems to be a link between moo waves and autism though i'm not like an expert or well-versed in that so i'm, I'm not really going to go near that one uh, as well as some promise for scientists interested in using brain computer interfaces also known as bcis to help people with some like more serious physical disorders i think to help in communication and a couple other things so that's kind of interesting okay yeah it's interesting uh smr waves these are sensory motor waves and they operate between 12 and 15 hertz this is the brainwave which we seem to know the least about at this point. There isn't really a whole lot of information out there I could find about it, except that it has been experimented with for other BCI applications like the Moo wave we just talked about. And it has some association with neurofeedback training for helping people with various learning disabilities and um, other brainwave related disorders. All right, beta waves are next. Beta waves have the largest frequency range of the brain waves we're going to talk about. They range anywhere from 12.5 to 30 hertz. On the low amplitude end, beta waves seem to occur when we have erratic or anxiety-ridden thinking. You know, like when your mind's racing a mile per minute. On the higher end, they're found over the motor cortex and are associated with muscle contractions. So like when you're lifting boxes, trying to move or, I don't know, doing heavy labor or something like that. 
There's also a link between beta waves and the neurotransmitter and receptor known as gamma, aminobutaic uh, acid, or GABA, I, with I GABA. guess, GABA for short. <laughs> G-A-B-A. <laughs> Yo, GABA, GABA. Uh, and finally, that brings us to gamma waves, which oscillate at frequencies between 25 and 140 hertz, so not the you know much larger than the, the beta wave frequency. Though the most common is 40 hertz oscillation, and this is kind of a phase of particular interest to many neuroscientists as well as some new age people out there. So gamma waves are responsible for large-scale working memory, problem-solving, grouping, general attention, and can be increased through neurostimulation and meditation as shown in many scientific studies at this point. There's a general belief that gamma waves may play a role in the formation of our sort of coherent perception of reality at, you know, that 40 hertz range, um, which, you know, I've referred to this as like our UX, right? Our user experience in past episodes. Like I said, it's been associated with attention. I've also heard it related to like sort of like mental housekeeping in a so way. So like what you were saying earlier about like how we perceive reality um it being related to this 40 hertz vibration like are you are you saying that like according to like what people are thinking about this stuff that 40 hertz is sort of like the vibrational frequency of like consensus reality i mean i guess so uh i don't i don't know if uh many scientists have come out and said anything like that i think scientists usually talk about consensus reality at least not in my experience (laughs) no um, but you know, it could be related somehow. Um, you know, what would be interesting though, is to like pull up, uh, like a tone generator online or something like that and, and play, uh, the 40 Hertz and listen to it for like, I don't know, a set period of time. Um, you know, you know, varying degrees of isolation and record the results. I think didn't Robert Anton Wilson recommend something like that, but with a, it was a different frequency. It was for more like paranormal experiences or something like that. It was in uh, quantum God, psychology. I think you're I think. right. I can't actually, I can't remember the exact details. It's been quite a while since I read that. But speaking of quantum psychology by Robert Anton Wilson, I think maybe this might be a good time to let the listeners know about our plan to reread it together and do the exercises and have uh, discussions about it. Because, uh, guys, it's a super cool and super funny book. Um, it's all about how to understand the way that like language influences the way that we think and experience the world. Uh, so we're kind of thinking this could be like a little fun, enlightening experience. So if any of you are interested in taking that journey with us, uh, maybe do like a little book club thing, uh, let us know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Fool's Guide to the Occult, where you can join our group, Fellow Travelers. All right, so real quick. <laughs> Absolutely. All these different frequencies of brainwaves. Like it reminds me of an experimental treatment that we mentioned earlier, right? The binaural beats, um, right? You like listen to different tones and different ears, and it's supposed to have some, a a wide array of effects um, are purported uh, to result from this. Um, But as far as I was able to find, the research is pretty shaky, but it's definitely interesting nonetheless. 
Yeah, I I did a research project on this uh, for my physics of sound class back in like 2008 or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have progressed much since then. Unfortunately, like there's a lot of <laughs> BS applications that's come out of it of people like basically just looking to capitalize on people in the new age market. But the general principles are really interesting. And, you know, I wonder if... Uh, you know, any reputable scientists are still kind of experimenting with this or not? Yeah, I'm not sure. Like the paper that I was looking at was like a review of a bunch of different studies. Um, the paper was published in 2015. But so the authors, like their conclusions were that like there could be promise in the tech, but it's like pretty hard to say because most of what's been conducted so far has been like had like pretty bad methodological problems or been contradictory yeah, it basically sounds like the state of the research is a complete mess. So, and also as a side note, as you pointed out, Hector, like there is no shortage of people hoping to capitalize on the new age market. I know it's definitely been said before on this show, but I'm going to say it again. I'll probably say it again and again and again. Skepticism, it's a thing. You should use it. Indeed. Okay, I should probably note that the the brain waves that we just covered, those are are the the waves in what we'd consider a atypical brain function, like a a normal brain if there's such a thing as normal. There are several neurodysfunctions that are associated with a variety of uh, abnormalities in those brain waves. So, just to throw that out there and with that we can like kind of like dig into hypnosis now let's do it so the point of hypnosis is to control brain waves to a certain frequency at which point the individual is in a state of hyper focused attention and increased susceptibility to suggestion let's say so in this state, various suggestions can be made to the subconscious mind, which informs the conscious mind during normal waking brain activity. So it's really important to note that hypnosis is not really dangerous. You can only be hypnotized if you want to be hypnotized. Uh, you will never do anything under hypnosis that you don't want to do. This is very different from the various forms of like trance and brainwashing used by cults and experimented with by various nefarious government agencies again more on that on our other podcast which is now being invented as we speak uh by the way <laughs> um are you still writing your how-to guide for cult leaders <laughs> um yeah. yes and yes and no it's not exactly a how-to guide for cult leaders <laughs> though it is uh that is how the title is phrased with sort of the intention of being provocative um but yeah i've you know it's kind of backburnered for a little bit uh but you know i'm, I'm still working on it and i intend to release it well, we'll definitely at some be point looking forward to that yes <laughs> <laughs> all right all that out of the way so like i said hypnosis is not really dangerous but you should kind of be careful with how you word your suggestions that you feed in. So just like the statements of intent in our you know, episode on cast magic or episode five, where we talked about crafting your own magic, you, you want to be clear and specific. And when you're speaking to someone else or recording your speech to use on yourself, you want to keep sort of a regular tone with a smooth and evenly paced pattern of speech. Uh, it shouldn't be so slow that we lose attention on it 
also you don't want to be talking a mile a minute because the brain can't catch up and respond to that so you should use probably a few seconds wait time after speaking a phrase that requires some kind of response and sometimes like you do want the person or yourself to respond to various prompts or things whether that's going to be auditory or mental your tone should be as lacking from emotion as possible almost like monotone like think kind of ben stein i guess um (laughs) and the person being hypnotized even if you are doing the hypnosis should be sitting down so when laying down you risk kind of falling asleep dozing off you know though to be honest i have a sort of self-hypnosis routine that i use when i am in bed um at night when i do a sort of like kind of nighttime practice i have but we'll talk about that in specifics at some other point in time. Some people have issues sitting cross-legged, like on the floor, because, you know, you can experience, uh, you know, like loss of circulation or just like general discomfort if you're going to be in that position for a long time. So if you're not like somebody that regularly sits cross-legged for extended periods of time, maybe don't do it that way. You can sit up against a wall or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Otherwise, Dimly lidded room is best. Bright lights sort of stimulate the mind to waking states. So, you know, you don't want it, you know, bright LED, like surgical light blasting down on you. But you also (laughs) don't want it too dark because that's going to promote drowsiness too, right? So if you've got a dimmer, great. Otherwise, you know, light some candles or I don't know. You'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure (laughs) it out. So now we're going to talk about some actual practices you can do. Um, And I'd like you to consider this your stuff to practice for this episode. These will have sort of incredible implications for your occult practice on a whole bunch of different levels, improving your visualization, trance work. It applies to astral work as well as ego magic and path working. And so there's a whole bunch of things that this sort of like general tech can be applied to or manipulated and changed to fit different practices you might do yeah absolutely and all you need to do is just do it you don't need to buy anything you don't need to it's why not why not give it a try (laughs) yeah totally i mean as long as you have you know a friend or some kind of recording device which most of us have in our phone oh yeah um you should be able to pull this off all right so since at this point I expect you all to have some experience with visualization. We're going to skip the most basic exercise and work with creating a focal point and some general relaxation kind of process. If you're doing this with another person, all you need is just the two of you. If you're going to be doing it on yourself, you'll need, like I said before, some kind of audio recording device. Um, now, for this exercise, I've, I've read that people will use the tip of their nose as a place for bringing attention. But since you are probably going to be working this into some more occult type practices and not just a strictly, you know, therapeutic uh, hypnosis type practice, I have three specific suggestions that you can pick from. And if you've got a better suggestion, by all means, use that. Even let us know about it because I think that's great. My first suggestion would be to use your Hara or Dajan point, which if you remember from our discussions on meditation, yoga and key development is about two fingers width above your navel. My second suggestion would be to use the Anahakta or the unstruck chakra, also known as the heart chakra near the center of your chest. And then my 
Other suggestion would be the Ajna or Command Chakra, also known as the third eye, which is between your eyebrows and the center of your forehead. And I think that those those three are some, some pretty good. Give you a, a breadth of different uh, styles to play with. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of depends on what you're doing, right? I mean, like if you're if you're doing like certain work in like a certain area, you know, you can consult your resources and see like which, you know, chakra might be the most appropriate or, you know. Also, should we make this script available online? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to we're going to we'll put it up on our community page, Fellow Travelers, um, which is an offshoot of our main Facebook page, so you can find it Excellent. there. All right. So, let's hear it. Okay. So, what I'll give you a rundown of what this is going to look like. I'm going to give you all I'm going to speak out some script parts that is what you would record and slash modify and record to have like a tape recorder play back to you as you are being the recipient. Or if you are working with a partner, this is what you would say to each other. So I will say a thing and then we're going to talk about it. And then I'll say a thing and we'll talk about it. And we'll, I'll say a thing and I'll talk about it. And that'll bring us through the exercise. Does that make sense? Sounds good to me. Okay. So here we go. Close your eyes for a moment. Feel at ease. I would like you to focus on your... And then insert your chosen focal point here. Are you doing this? So uh, when you're listening to the playback, you'll want to respond to yourself out loud. Great. Now keep your attention here and proceed to listen to the sound of my voice. In future practices, I may request that you draw your attention to... And then again, your chosen focal point. This is only to increase your focus and state of relaxation. If you ever find your mind wandering, bring your attention to your... Chosen focal point. As you are doing right now, and your mind will again be focused and following along with the sound of my voice. You may open your eyes once more. All right, my eyes are open. (laughs) All All right, good. So choose whatever focal point is aligned with something you're already doing in your practice. Um, This will deepen your practice instead of having to kind of choose a a new thing to work with or changing it up all the time. Consistency is pretty good. Unless, like Luxa said earlier, you know, you're trying to do some very specific kind of work and you want to work with like a specific chakra or whatever. You know, I mean, you got to mix it up sometimes. But in general, you know, pick something that you're already working with. If you're working with a Hara, go with that. Also, when you get used to working this way, you can use that focal point in everyday life to refocus your mind if you find yourself being distracted, just because you like start working in that routine and working in that like sort of like a trigger. Yeah, right? you're like laying down the, you know, the mental pathways to get back there easier, right? Exactly, exactly. So you can also just meditate in the sense of maintaining your focus on on this point for a period of time. And, you know, this can be very relaxing in and of itself. Just like Zazen, you're you're going to have to kind of like let other thoughts that come to your mind just kind of pass by. Yeah, definitely. So what are the next steps for hypnosis? Sure. So the next steps for this self-hypnosis that we have here involve general relaxation. So my suggestion is put some soothing music on, preferably nothing with vocals. 
you can just like go on YouTube and like type in meditation music. Actually, my favorite thing is if you go to YouTube and you type in Japanese flute music, I think it's the first one that comes up. It might not be though. That one's really, if you find the right one, it's really good. Uh, Hot tip. (laughs) Then, yeah, right? And so next stretch or do yoga for a bit until, you know, you feel like all your muscles are really relaxed. Then run through that ball of light relaxation program that we taught you like many episodes back. Or you can do the progressive muscle relaxation or, you know, just some other kind of additional relaxation technique that ties relaxation with the mind. Now sit quietly and bring your attention to your focal point for a period of time before beginning the next section, which we will need to audio record for you. All right. Close your eyes and take a deep breath in, expanding your chest fully and filling up your lungs. Hold this for one, two, three, and slowly exhale. We're going to do this three more times. Inhale, one, two, three, slowly exhale. And inhale, one, two, three, and slowly exhale. Okay, so so far, some breathing work. Yep, breath work is really good, right? Working in all those different things that we talked about before that were non-occult specific relaxation practices, Mm -hmm. right? So the next step is recording a dialogue regarding each part of the body. And I'm not going to run through the entire dialogue with you, but this is generally what it's going to sound like. Now bring your attention to your feet. Become very aware of them. Now feel them becoming very relaxed and warm and heavy. Now we'll move up to the calves and so forth and so on until you've reached the the crown of your head. Now, Hewitt wants you to do this three times. He wants you to go from foot to head, foot to head, foot to head, three times. Um, I don't disagree with him. Progressive relaxation is pretty essential uh, in order to maximize ease and malleability. However, if you use the, the yoga and the ball of light and the meditation and all that other stuff before, I think you're already going to be in a, a pretty physically relaxed state. And then one run through of that sort of guided body relaxation should be sufficient to achieve the state conducive to hypnosis. So now we'll, we'll continue on with the recording. All right. I would like you to imagine... A blank white void. There's nothing there. Not even your body. Just your consciousness. In this void, visualize... Insert the piece of furniture that you're sitting on here. You're sitting on. See it clearly. Now see it slowly fading. Going from opaque and slowly becoming more and more translucent fading away until there's nothing left but a blank, white void. Forget about it entirely as you drift into an even deeper state of relaxation. Listen to the sound of my voice as I count back from 10 to 1. Each time I count, you feel even more at peace 
and more deeply relaxed than you were before. 10. 9. You are sinking deeper into relaxation. 8. 7. You are even more at ease as your body grows heavy. 6. 5. You are cozy and at peace. 4. 3. You are becoming more and more relaxed. 2. 1. You are perfectly at ease. At this point, I want you to bring your attention to your... Insert focal point here. Focus there for a moment. Now bring your attention to the sound of my voice. As you sink ever deeper into the most profound state of relaxation, feel waves of peace and ease wash over you endlessly as you follow me even deeper into ultimate peace. There is no limit now to the peace you feel. In fact, you have become peace and relaxation itself. The very thing is you. You are it. Here and now. Every breath you take is a breath of life, maintaining this state of sublime perfection. Ah, very relaxing. (laughs) So if you're operating a true hypnosis session, this is where you're going to start editing your operating system by introducing code to the subconscious. Have we mentioned if you like our podcast, you should subscribe. Indeed. (laughs) Please do. Um, (laughs) So Hewitt recommends no more than three suggestions the first time. I honestly would limit myself to one new thing at a time, two at the very most. I, I think this kind of mental hacking, you're you're likely to be more successful the slower you go with it. And if you, you know, if something doesn't go to your liking, it'll be more easily undone this way unless instead of if you piled on a whole bunch of things all at once. Yeah, you know? no, definitely. I absolutely agree. I think it's really important to proceed. Um, I was going to say proceed with caution, but I don't think that's the right word. Proceed with intention in this kind of stuff. Just general rule of thumb. <laughs> Can you give us some examples of yeah, like, yeah. the type of suggestions that might be entered in here? Yeah, I mean, it can range from like a wide variety of things from like, I will be more. All right. So how about this? I will snap at my coworkers less or I will be more contemplative throughout the day or I will be less inclined to reach for a cigarette or I will decrease the amount of drinking that I do. Uh, and you can be very specific with those or or leave it at sort of kind of a vague thing like that. I mean, obviously, the more specific you are, the better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can run from anything from like habit changing stuff to just like kind of general sense of well-being. People have used it also for like decreasing pain, which is really interesting and i would like to do some more research on that but i have read about it yeah so this is stuff like this because this reminds me a lot of like you know some of the like kind of theory behind like sigil magic and shit like it sounds like this is sort of like another way of doing the same thing which is pretty cool because not you know different things are going to work for different people so just a side note totally or you could combine them together and like yeah fire a a sigil into your subconscious to be like 
processed and executed while you're going about your day well, or yeah, something. Well, yeah, well, that's sort of, like the psychological model sort of says that that's like a big part of it, right? Like already. So I, yeah. yeah, it might be fun yeah. to do some experiments with that. I'm into it, man. Like we'll add that to our, our list of experiments. Okay. Excellent. Sounds good. Cool. Okay. So the next thing that follows is what you're going to record for kind of coming back up out of that hypnotic state. A few moments from now, you will come out of this state feeling relaxed and entirely renewed. You will feel this way all day. At night, when you drift off to sleep, you will do so with ease, as if gracefully floating down a calm and quiet river. When you wake up in the morning, you will do so feeling just as relaxed, renewed, and at peace as you are right now. I'm going to begin counting from one to five. And as I do so, you will feel yourself slowly coming out of the hypnotic state and back to that of regular waking consciousness. When I say the number five, you will open your eyes, feeling wide awake, but still in a profound state of peace and relaxation. One. Two. You are slowly returning to the conscious state. Three. You are still feeling incredibly relaxed and peaceful. Four. Five. Now open your eyes and feel wide awake in this peace and relaxation that you have brought into yourself. That's it. That's the that's the the basic rundown. Hewitt and many other hypnotherapists like to include like a clap or a snap at the five. I find this to be jarring and counterproductive to the state which we're trying to produce <laughs> it's like, <snap> out of it. <laughs> right 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 um which is kind of like the, the the parody that we gave you in the introduction episode right you know i'm talking very calmly and quietly and then luxa screams at you right so um that said it's very effective to bring the individual abruptly back to the conscious state but, you know, if you're doing this at home, you can slowly come back at your own pace. And if you're working with someone else, there's probably going to be some conversation that's taking place after you come back, which is going to prompt brain activity and bring you out of it anyway. So, you know, either way, I think it's it's good to take some time after you come back out of it and sort of write about your experiences in your journal or have a discussion about it and, you know, write little notes that you can, you know, write down later. Sounds good. All right, so we have kind of gathered a few just like little tips and tricks and a few notes about our own personal experiences here. So this first thing I'm going to talk about, it's definitely not, it's more of a tip or trick since it's definitely not an appropriate like long-term coping strategy, but it can be pretty useful in a, in a pinch and like for other stuff too. So this is something, is something that works really well for me is m using music. Um, you can kind of like make sort of like emotional key or an emotional like portal with like a song by like concentrating on it through meditation and like associating it with different experiences so that way you like can kind of like listen to the song and it'll just kind of jump you right back to what you kind of keyed it up with if that makes yeah, sense yeah definitely and i i would recommend doing this with songs that aren't 
popular enough where you're gonna like hear them by accident all the time because i think that that would dilute the effectiveness of it that's that's definitely true a lot of people also already have uh strong emotional connections to certain songs and this can be really useful like you know say the song rebel yell by billy idol just reminds you of the good old days of partying and stuff you know you can have this queued up for when you feel really down or something like that yeah no definitely i mean that's right that's like sort of the idea behind like having a workout playlist or like what you know definitely so yeah sometimes simple solutions can really work well (laughs) Uh, what else um definitely love a good hot bath cup of tea hanging out with my cats i would i would say spending time with my friends but that's a little challenging yeah, right yeah, now but yeah. you know there's always online hangouts and everything working in the garden <laughs> or with plants in general is pretty relaxing i think just kind of reconnect with the earth you know yeah dude plants are awesome i agree going for a walk in the park or the forest is really good too plus you can get a little exercise that way just you know maintain six feet away from someone don't cough on them <laughs> absolutely <laughs> All right, but in general, like for me, just to be honest, meditation, I say, surprising nobody. (laughs) Um, One thing that I really like to do is do like a walking meditation because it's like it's kind of a cool way to multitask and it's like a cool way to make a walk and more fun and meaningful, I guess, too. Like, and it's cool. Like if you, I don't know, if you really blank out your mind and like walk out in nature, you'll be right super amazed at like little weird things you notice and like what kind of like insight you can sort of gain from like just observing exactly yeah yeah it's like simple like these really simple things like you can like kind of get to an appreciation of like the complexity that exists between all of the little simple things like you watch like a little ant carry out a very complex task but it's still just a little ant even the things that are simple are actually complex yeah and then definitely yeah you know we're probably just little ants to some massive creatures that we don't even know oh, i mean why wouldn't we be <laughs> but, but yeah it's uh, i mean and also if everything is complex and everything is also simple all right you can't have one without the other but anyway as a general rule you know it might be good to think of nature as in like a broader sense like after all like we're never like truly apart from it like we like to pretend otherwise but it's a foolish conceit in my opinion uh, as anton Lavey said man it's just another animal right sometimes better more often worse (laughs) yes exactly so i mean even if you're in a city you're still sort of like still actually technically in nature like there's no i don't know philosophy aside you can still get like millions of like really kind of cool tiny beautiful like natural occurrences all around you you just have to look and you know use the right perspective like you see the little tiny weed growing in between like the cracks of the sidewalk that has like this very small beautiful blue flower or whatever it is you know like also less as we said just remember to socially distance right (laughs) if that's still a thing by the time that you're listening to this hopefully it will be a thing of the past very soon Mm -hmm uh indeed uh (laughs) (laughs) one can hope (laughs) yeah no that's good i like to maintain optimism for me i have a a lot of hobbies outside of this that bring me a lot of joy and relaxation i I play guitar uh draw i do martial arts i train an italian longsword i'm also an armor and a blacksmith like i feel like working steel is a really great way to relax 
because it's sort of a meditative process, right? It involves sort of creative problem solving, but beyond that, like you're just kind of like into the thing you're doing. You're not really, you know, yeah, you get into much. that flow state, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it definitely causes you to like change up what your thoughts are and what you're focused on, which is sometimes all we really need, right? Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you could relate it to like psychedelics, right? Um, and people who've, who've done psychedelics or had a bad trip kind of know what I mean when I say like a thought loop or a feedback loop. Um, especially if you've had, you know, like, like, a, like I said, a bad trip, but this happens in normal consciousness too, whatever the heck that is. So, you know, learning to recognize it and liberate yourself from it is pretty key to, to managing stress and anxiety as well as some like deeper psychological stuff as well. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I do of course want to promote meditation and heavily advocate for a lot of the other stuff we've already talked about, exercise, yoga, weight training. But, you know, that's just part of my, like, holistic view on self-cultivation, you know. Yeah, I like it, man. Yeah, that yeah, that's, I think that's what we got for you all today. Yeah, that's right. Let us tell you about the works that we used. Uh, I'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, relaxation techniques from the myoclinic.org. Auditory beat stimulation and its effects on cognitive and mood states by Chiab and a few other people. All right. Hypnosis for Beginners by William H. Hewitt. And what is biofeedback therapy from medicalnewstoday.com? All right. So that brings us near to our end. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please follow us on the social media um, if you haven't decided to quit, which I, if you have, I totally get it. I, I get it. I <laughs> uh, but we are on Instagram at Fool's Guide, which is one word. Uh, and we're also on the Facebook. From our main Facebook page, you can find our community page, Fellow Travelers, and you can join our ever-growing community there. So definitely come check us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to encourage people to to send us email, you know, email us questions or experiences you've had or related to, you know, things we've talked about on the show. We're kind of thinking about um, including a Q&A section or like a listener mail section to our show. So if you'd like to participate in that, you can drop us a line at Fool's Guide, the number two, the occult, all one word, at gmail.com. And maybe you'll hear from us on a future episode. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, please let us know. What are you up to? What are you working on? What are you into? We want to hear about it. Let us know. Um, we also have a Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash FG2TO. Uh, any support you want to give us helps out immensely and we really appreciate it. We don't currently have any offerings up there, but we're actually working like really hard um, in this time that we're all stuck at home to generate some kickback for you all for supporting us. And uh, we'll have that up and running in yeah, no time. Yeah, definitely. We have, yeah, we have some plans for some putting some pretty cool fun stuff yeah, up there sure. to thank our supporters doing this show, they're doing this show like it means a lot to both of us but it definitely is a lot of work so we would appreciate any encouragement you have to offer yeah <laughs> um, absolutely so all right we wanted to share a piece with you guys that's pretty popular and like a lot of uh you know mindfulness and you know people that are into stuff like that would probably have already heard it but i think it's popular for a good reason 
Um, so in our culture, like we're trained to suppress much of what we experience. But when we allow ourselves to experience emotion without that inner sensor trying to cut us off from it, we can start to understand what lessons we have to learn from ourselves. Uh, when things feel overwhelming, feel overwhelmed. Even intense or unpleasant emotion can be turned into a teacher and a useful magical tool. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, uh, we're going to read you The Guest House by Arumi. Uh-huh. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, uh, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the front door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please take care of yourselves and the people around you. And now we present to you, for your listening pleasure, a triangle wave at 40 hertz. <laughs>